thanks James and Michelle for uh, having me here today. It's always great to be back at Port City and, uh, and uh, this is my second time uh, in the new building and uh, it's just, how nice is it? It's awesome, so praise God and uh, wonderful place. I love being in Gladstone and uh, we're walking down today down at the, um, down the bottom, yeah, how nice is it down there? It's a bit lardy dar isn't it? So, uh, yeah, so uh, it's awesome to be here and uh, so good to see um, what God has been doing in the city and uh, and thank you so much. I, I was trying to think about the first time I preached um, here at Port City and I think it was 2011, I think it was. Yeah, something like that, 11 years ago. So I think uh, th- this church is probably in the top three or four churches where I've preached the most sermons. Uh, and so I really don't have a whole lot left, to be honest. And uh, so, uh, so this might be my last time uh, and uh, that sort of thing. But uh, thank you for coming out. I know that, you know, coming out on a Saturday night, uh, you know, so I don't take that for granted. And so thank, hopefully as you come out tonight that uh, God will bless you. And, uh, and the good thing is that uh, Malcolm's in a good mood because... Uh, yeah, because Geelong won the, you know, snuck home in the grand final today, <laughs> and that sort of thing. And you know, as a Hawthorne supporter, that pains me. But anyway, I, it was actually ten years ago to the day uh, where uh, my team was playing Hawthorne was playing the Swans in the grand final, uh, and the result was very different for my team. Uh, we actually lost, uh, and then I had to go speak at a conference straight after. And uh, you know. In times like that, you know, you just need to trust in the Lord and uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, they talk about suffering in ministry. Uh, that was one of those things. So anyway, praise God. Uh, I want to share with you tonight something that probably if you've been a Christian for more than 10 years, uh, you've probably heard a sermon on this passage of Scripture. Uh, and especially like 20 years ago, I remember 20 years ago, uh, there was heaps of sermons about this passage of Scripture I'm going to read to you tonight. And I'm going to read from 1 Chronicles, chapter 4, verses 8 to 11. 1 Chronicles 4, 8 to 11. And it says this, And Koz begot Anub, Zobabah, and the families of Ahahel, the son of Haram. Now Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Verse 11, Chilab, the brother of Shuhar, begot Mahir, who is the father of Eshton. title of my message tonight is, There's no harm in asking. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, I thank you for your word. I ask and pray, Lord. You would open our eyes to the possibilities. Help us to know that you are a good God. I thank you and praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when I was a uh, youth pastor, we used to do this thing with our youth group uh, called journaling. And so basically what that was is that we would have a Bible reading plan. You try to read the Bible in a year. So essentially you're reading approximately four chapters a day. Uh, and then from within those four chapters, you would get a verse or two and you would journal on it and actually write it down. Uh, And, you know, when you're reading four chapters, uh, there's some parts of the Bible that you're very, very tempted to skip over. Uh, The parts of the Bible you're really tempted to skip over uh, is what's called the genealogies. 
uh, basically they're the parts of the parts of the Bible where all they do is they list off different generations. Such and such begat, such and such begat, such and such begat, such and such. One of the longest passages of this is actually found in 1 Chronicles. Uh, and the first few chapters, it's like, man, I just want, I might just skip over this. And then, you know, they're just all they're doing is listing all these names. And then I will go to the place uh, and start afresh, you know, when they start giving us some kind of narrative. However, if you do that, you will miss out something, one of the great gems of Scripture, uh, and it's found here in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, and it's talking about, this is called the prayer of Jabez. It's like right in the midst of the genealogies, out of nowhere, there's this prayer that's actually been uh, written down, uh, you know, recited from this guy named Jabez. Uh, so what that tells me is this, this must be a pretty important prayer. I mean, he's probably not the only person listed in the genealogies that actually prayed a prayer. But somehow his prayer was so important that God decided to interrupt the genealogies and have it listed for us yeah, here. Yeah. Now, not only that, Jabez wasn't even listed in the genealogies. His name, he's not even in the family line. But he somehow interrupts the genealogies and here is this prayer. It's kind of like, you know, when you're watching the cricket or something like that and then all of a sudden there's a station break and there's some kind of interruption and that sort of thing. In the same way, here they are, they're listing all these genealogies and then all of a sudden you have this guy named Jabez, bless me indeed. So what that tells me is this, his prayer was something that God wanted us to hear. Clearly it was the will of God. Because granted, God granted him what he requested. So if you aren't really sure about God's will, if you aren't really sure what you can pray, then why not pray the prayer of Jabez? Because clearly it's something that God wants us to know about and it's something that God will answer. So I want to talk to you from this passage of Scripture, five things that you can ask for that is listed here in the prayer of Jabez. The first one is this. 1 Chronicles 4.10, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. First thing you can ask for is blessing, is blessing. You know, I was one time I was teaching some kids how to pray the prayer of Jabez and we went through it bit by bit. I said, okay, the first thing you've got to do is ask God to bless you. Yeah. And one of the kids come up to me and says, is that right? Am I actually allowed to ask God to bless me? I mean, I know we're supposed to ask God to bless other people. Bless the missionaries, bless the poor, bless the sick, bless the people who are struggling right now in our society. Are we actually allowed to ask God to bless us? Well, apparently so. Because Jabez did, and God granted him what he requested. You can ask for and believe for the blessing of God to come into your life. You can actually ask to see that come to pass. One of the things that come as a result of the blessing of God is actually God's provision. That God will actually provide for his people. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord attracts wealth and he adds no sorrow to it. And so what that means is you can believe for God's blessing. In Genesis chapter 12, we see that God calls Abram uh, to follow him. And then he says to him, you know, I'll make you a great... It's called, you know, it's the blessing of Abraham. Uh, blessing of Abram. And, and in it he says, you know, that, you know, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And then in the midst of it he says, I will bless you. And we think of it as some kind of throwaway line and that sort of thing. But actually for, but actually for someone in that society it means more than that. I read one commentator and he actually said that when God said, I bless you, Abraham would have interpreted that to mean material increase in life. 
that he would have been realized that God would provide for him no matter what. The Bible says that after this time, that Abraham became exceedingly prosperous. Not only that, he actually the Bible tells us that Isaac, who was his son, clearly understood that he was a carrier of the family blessing because the Bible said he sowed seed in a time of famine. What kind of fool sows seed in a time of famine? Someone who understands that the provision of God is not determined upon circumstances. That it's actually something that they can see no matter what happens in their life. And so he actually sowed seed in a time of famine and he received a hundredfold in that same year. And then Isaac had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. And one of them was going to receive the blessing. Now, before, well before Isaac died, uh, his, son, uh, his, you know, his sons were talking. Uh, Esau had just been out in the field and had came back and Jacob was in the kitchen cooking some stew. Uh, and so Esau said to him, can I have some of your stew? And I can imagine this because I've got sons. <laughs> Jacob's like, no, only if you give me your birthright. His birthright, because Esau was a few minutes older than Jacob, so he got the birthright. He got an increased share of the inheritance. And Esau's like, oh, well, I'm, gonna, I'm starving. I'm going to die anyway. Sure, just take my birthright. So he sold it for a bowl of stew. Wow. And then later on, when Isaac was much older, his eyes were failing and it was time for him to impart the blessing. Then he was going to call Esau before him and impart the family blessing upon him. And then Esau went out hunting. In the meantime, Jacob disguised himself as Esau, came in for um, Isaac because Isaac was blind. He pronounced the family blessing upon him. Then after that, Esau came in, found out that Jacob received the blessing from Isaac, and he said, and then he went bananas. He says, that Jacob, first he stole my birthright, now he's stolen my blessing. The blessing and the birthright are two separate things. The birthright's an increased share of the inheritance. Jacob didn't care, Esau didn't care about that because he knew he had the blessing. As soon as he lost the blessing, now he knew he was in trouble. And so what happened there was that he actually went to, wanted to go and kill Jacob as a result because he understood that if I've got the blessing of God, I can believe for God's provision. God is our source, not the economy, not what's happening around us, not, what, not, what, you know, not your job, not your education. God is our source. And you can believe for the, bl- for the blessing and the provision of God to come into your life. His name is Jehovah Jireh. The God who sees and provides. Not El, and not, his name is El Shaddai, God of abundance. Not El Tightwad, God of barely enough. We serve a God who's well able to provide for his people. Maybe even right now, you've got lack and you've got need and you're needing God's provision. You can pray what Jabez Lord prayed. Lord, bless me indeed. And God granted what he requested. A number of years ago, I had this bill come in that was unexpected and uh, I was itinerant on the traveling itinerant and you know your, your finances are pretty tight and this bill came in for four and a half thousand dollars and I didn't have the money for it and I was like oh no how am I going to pay this and I said Lord you know you got to you know pray you provide for me and the week it was due I still didn't have the money three days before it was due uh, I was at home and there was a knock on the door it was about seven o'clock at night Went and opened the front door and it was a man who lived down the street. He was a Christian guy. His name was Bruce. And uh, he'd never popped over before or anything like that. And he's standing on the front. And I said, oh, g'day, Bruce. What are you up to? And he looked at me and he, he walked inside. I said, well, come on in. And uh, <laughs> he comes in. He's standing in the lounge room. I said, oh, well, why don't you come into the dining room? He comes in the dining room. We sit down. And uh, 
he's, and I'm thinking, why, why, why did he come over tonight? And, and he said, he goes, I was praying, and uh, God told me I've got to give you some money. I said, praise the Lord, how much? And uh, <laughs> he said, I won't tell you what it is right now. He said, but if you give me your bank details, I'll put it in your bank account. Do you know your bank details? I said, 014676, lock on you off by heart. You know? <laughs> I'm an itinerant man. Anyone ask you bank details, you've got to be able to give it like that. And, and he's sitting there, he's trying to punch it in on the app on his phone, and it's taking a while. He's like, oh, they won't let me do it all at once. And I'm like, oh, that's good. <laughs> and, uh, and eventually he transferred it, and he looked at me, and he said, listen, um, I don't, um, you know, he goes, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you'll see it tomorrow. I said, thanks, Bruce. So I woke up the next morning at 5 a.m., <laughs> opened up the app. It was $5,000. Four hundred, the four and a half thousand I needed for my five hundred dollar tithe. Praise God! <laughs> <laughs> Even though I couldn't see, Come on. He can bless you. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're needing the provision of God. I'm here to let you know God is your source. Yeah, God is your source. Yeah. He can take care of you. Jabez said, "Lord, bless me, indeed." Yeah. Second thing you can believe for is this. He says in verse ten of. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. How cheeky. I mean, it's enough, man, that you just ask to be blessed. You know, you've interrupted the genealogies, okay? We've heard your request, but it's almost like, okay, now that I've got your attention, ah, and enlarge my territory. When my children ask me for something, no matter how small, my first reaction is no. And the reason why it's no is not because I have a problem with that. I just know if I give in to this, the next thing they're asking for is coming. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what happened here. Lord, bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. How cheeky. How impudent. You know, don't bother God with that. But God granted what he requested. The second thing you can ask for is increase. Increase. Enlarge my territory. Give me more of what I have. Enlarge it and increase it. You're actually allowed to ask for it. You can believe for increase. In fact, I believe scripturally that God has called us for increase. That everything God gives us, he wants us to take it and make it bigger and better. That's my philosophy in ministry. My philosophy in ministry is is never maintained. My philosophy in ministry is I'll take what God has given me and then I'm going to take it and take, make it more, whatever it is. We look at the story about the parable told by Christ about the master that had some servants and gave one five coins, gave one two coins, gave one one coin. And he said, put this money to work. He left and then he came back and the first servant had five coins and he went and got five more. He brought them back to the master. Master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll be faithful little, you'll be faithfully much. Take charge of ten things. And then the other servant who had had, um, two, he went and got two more. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And he commended him for that. Then this third servant who only had one, poor little fella, poor guy, I remember thinking, mate, you know, he takes the one and he looks at what, well, God gave that guy five. Gave that guy two. He only gave me. What can I do with one? At least I won't lose it. I'll be faithful 
and not lose it. We always think faithfulness is not losing it. Faithfulness is truthfulness. Faithfulness is not maintenance. Faithfulness is truthfulness. And so he grabbed it and he hit it and he brought it to the master. He said, hey, master, I took the one you gave me. I didn't lose it. At least I didn't lose it. I would have thought the master would say, oh, that's okay, little fella. Don't worry about it. I didn't even give you as much as I gave the other guys. I gave that guy five and that guy two. Don't worry, they more than made up for what you weren't able to do. But he doesn't do that. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. You should have at least put it in the bank and got me some interest. It wasn't about having as much as the other guys. The principle was this. Just take what God has given you and actually believe for more. That's what my thing is in ministry. It's not to compare to other people or compare what God is doing in other ministries. That's not what it's about. If God's given me one and he's given someone else five, that's their business. But what am I to do with what he's given with me? To take it and to increase it. That's why I believe it's natural and normal for a Christian to have aspiration. It's okay to have dreams and visions for aspiration and increase and more. We're visionary people. If we're Pentecostals, he gives us dreams and visions. We're visionary people. We're never supposed to just sit back and say, okay, well, enough is enough. No, no, no. What can I do as a steward of what God has given me, whatever area, how can I take that and make it better? How can I take that and make that more? I feel to release someone today because there's somebody today and you're already being blessed and you've got this desire, I just feel like I'm supposed to believe for more. But I'm already what I got is good. Already what I got is enough. Is it okay for me to ask for even more? Well, apparently, yes. Because he gave him what he requested. Take, have, no, have no shame in taking what God has given you and believing for more. It might be in your business. It might be in one particular area of your life. This can translate to so many different areas. Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's ministry, whatever it is. But actually, it it's actually can translate in many, many areas. Take what God has given you and believe for more. You can believe for increase. Our desire in our church is always for increase. It's not about comparing, but it's always about what has God given us? How can we believe for a little bit more? Not going to judge you according to that. I've got a church with four campuses. I don't take one campus and say, hey, you're going to be like that campus. No, no, no. What can we do with what God has given us at this campus? And just take it out a little bit more. How can we believe for a few more souls? How can we believe for a few more volunteers? How can we believe for a few more connect groups? It's not about comparing and competing with anyone else, but we're supposed to take what God has given us and believe for increase. I believe even as Christian leaders, if we ever get to the point saying silly things like, oh, well, you know, the church is doing enough, the church is big enough and that sort of thing. No, no, no. I believe God has called us to be an ever-expanding movement. He wants to enlarge our territory. Amen? You can believe for increase in this place or in your life. The third thing is this. It says, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me. Hand will be with me. So it's interesting, the hand of the Lord. When the hand of the Lord comes upon you in Scripture, they all move in demonstration of power. Hand of the Lord came upon that person, there was demonstration of power. When the hand of the Lord is against you, it's resistance. It means there's nothing you can do about it. But when the hand of the Lord is with you, that's actually talking about divine favour. That's actually talking about favour and opportunities 
and things coming your way that are divine. It's talking about divine favour. So the third thing that you can believe for, the third thing that you can ask for is actually for, is actually for divine favour. He's saying, Lord, let your hand be with me. Let your hand, that these endeavours I'm doing, I'm praying, let your hand be with you. I believe that for every believer, I believe that for every church, that there is a, that there is a grace zone and a slipstream of favour for every single one. That there's an, uh, there's an avenue of advantage for every single person and for every single ministry. And it's purely about trying to find what that is and go with that. And you'll be amazed at the advantage and opportunity that comes to pass uh, in that way. Uh, the church I'm at is called King's Church. And, and probably one of the things that we have, you know, the thing we're probably most known for, have to be really, uh, is Christian schooling. Christian schools. Um, we have three Christian schools right now. Uh, we're the largest Christian school in Australia uh, and we're the largest independent school in Queensland. Uh, we've got about 4,500 students and that sort of thing. And, and it just seems to be the thing that, you know, that God's blessing is upon uh, in our ministry and that sort of thing. And, and one of our uh, passions is that we would start new campuses. Uh, and so uh, we have just recently... Um, you know, so, you know, we had one campus and then we bought a block of land and, you know, we were trying to start these new campuses. And so right now, we have building projects all the time. Well, there's just building projects happening the whole time. And so what you need is you need government, some government funding. The group's called the Block Grant Authority and you need some government funding to help you pay for these buildings. And so you put in a submission and they decide how much money they give you. And so we had... Um, and so we put a submission in and, and, and basically went to the Block Grant Authority and we were asking for support for the building projects at each campus. Now, our model is so unusual that not even the Block Grant Authority can get their head around it. So basically, they came back and they said, yes, these two new campuses we'll give you some funding for, but your established campus, we're not going to give you any funding for that because that's already established. But they didn't understand that we needed support for that to help us to do um, all the others. And so the chairman of our school board and our principal decided to do something that no one's ever done before or no one has known of before, and that is to go and directly challenge uh, the Block Grant Authority. Uh, so they went into Brisbane, had a meeting with the Block Grant Authority and said, listen, you've got to understand, we need the funding for this as well because this helps us to, you, to do all these other things that we do. And so we need that. And so for the first time in history, that, or the first time anyone can remember, uh, the Black Grant, Block Grant Authority backed down. Uh, and they gave us $600,000. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Um, we, we had started a new camp. We were starting a new campus at a suburb called Logan Village uh, in Logan. And, uh, and you know, went to the council and, uh, you know, there's talked to them about the pre presented what we we're going to do. And there's all these fees associated with it, you know, like $2.5 million, just all these fees. And, and then at one point in the presentation, uh, our board chair got a bit cheeky and he said, listen, us coming here, we're going to help the community out so much. I mean, you need us here. You want us here. Why do we have to pay all these fees? You know, how, why are we paying all these fees when we're going to add so much value to the community? And the, and the and council looked at each other and said, yeah, why do they pay all these fees? <laughs> you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't pay any of the fees. Two and a half million dollars, praise the Lord. Um, now, that's not fair. 
but favour ain't fair. You know what I'm saying? When the hand of the Lord is with you, there's opportunity and advantage. And for every single person, you're saying, oh, well, God doesn't work like that with us. So he's got some area of your life where you have favour. He's got some part of your life, some part of your ministry, some part of your church where you have an avenue of advantage, where the hand of the Lord is with you. All you've got to do is find that and get on board with what God is doing. Amen? You can believe for favour. Some of you are doing something. You start embarking on some kind of project. You need God to be with you. You need God's help. Lord, if you're not with us, it's not going to work. You can ask for the hand of the Lord to be with you. And God granted what he requested. Thank you. The fourth one is this. Says, oh, that you would bless me indeed, large my charity, that your hand be with me, that you would keep me from evil. So he's asking for blessing. He's asking for increase. He's asking for favor. And now he's asking for protection. Why would you ask for protection? Have you ever been blessed? You'll be amazed at what stirs up. You'll be amazed at who's not going to be happy. You'll be amazed at how the enemy can fire up when you get blessed and when you start moving forward and increasing in the favour of God. And so he knew, if this is what I'm believing for my life, I need the protection of God. And guess what? God granted what he requested. You know, one of my favourite scriptures is the one which says the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour I find that so encouraging because it means he can't devour whoever he wants he's just seeking whom he may devour so what that means is this that you can live your life protected look at Ephesians it talks about the armour of God helmet of salvation breastplate of righteousness shield of faith, feet shod with the gospel of peace sword of the spirit I've heard people say things like, see, you know, you got, when you've got the armour of God on, it's all for your front. There's no armour for your back because we're supposed to be continually moving forward, continually advancing. You don't turn your back on the enemy, um, you know, because you'll want to stick it in your back. So that's what we're supposed to do. And, but who knows, even when you're advancing and moving forward, the devil still wants to stick it to you in the back. So why don't we have armour for our back? Because God's got your back. Yeah. And he'll actually take care of you. He'll look after you. When we uh, took over Kings, I might have told you this story. I've, so, so, I've said it to so many places. I can't remember where I've said it. So forgive me if I've said it to you guys before. I, I remember when I was, we, we, you want to take over Kings on the Gold Coast? And it was just, I was just getting a weird vibe from people, you know. Um, local pastors were like really happy that I was coming. Too happy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, you know, hey, and guys come, hey, Ben, just we're so glad you're over there, Ben. We're praying for you, you know. <laughs> All these people who had left the church were contacting me out of the blue. They weren't coming back. But they said, hey, we're so glad you're going there. I'm like, what is going on? I, I remember when I got the, uh, I got, uh, you know, I officially got offered the job and I was sitting with the search committee and they said, well, congratulations, Pastor Ben. Um, it'll be our new senior pastor. And uh, just a couple of things you need to know. 
Uh, first of all, there's two lawsuits sitting here uh, waiting to be dealt with. Secondly, the church has lost 600,000 in the last five years. Uh, I'm not sure where it's gone. Uh, found out that basically they were trading insolvent almost. We were running out of money by March. Uh, not only that, uh, we were in the middle of two church splits right at that time. Yes. Two campuses. There was a split at each one. Uh, I was going, I remember one of our campuses, I'd walk around. It's like people talking behind their hands, you know, not looking at you and that sort of thing. And you walk over and they stop talking and... <laughs> All that sort of something's going on, and uh, you know, I remember one guy came. There, there was actually board members and elders uh, and staff that were staying to get people out. I even had one elder tell me that inadvertently. He said, "Oh, God's called me to shepherd people out of this church." I said, "No, <laughs> you know, it was crazy." I had a couple people come up to me and say. It's okay, Pastor Ben, don't worry, I'm not leaving. I'm like, what is going on? I don't know what's happening. Like, there's just all this stuff happening that I don't know what's going on. Not only that, we're in the most competitive church environment in Australia. Like the centres of some of the largest churches in Australia are within three kilometres of us. Any false move, people are leaving. They're going. And it was like we had this minute, there was issues with theology, there was issues with culture. Our school hated us. There was 400 staff at our school. Less than 20 were in our church. I heard school staff tell new families, don't go to that church. They didn't know I was a new pastor. <laughs> well done, Ben. Congratulations. You know, good on you. And I'm thinking, mate, and I found out, really, long term, they've lost about $8 million in long-term assets. And you're sitting there going, how on earth could we survive? <coughs> there was a song at the time that was... A well-known worship song was called Fight My Battles. I don't know if you know. Yeah. This is how I fight my battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> Even when it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. <laughs> and the whole year I'm thinking, man, can we? You look at it and you think, how could you possibly? Oh, Lord, can these bones live? Fast forward now, four and a half years later, church has doubled in size gone from two campuses to four. Financially, it's the best it's ever been, hundreds of thousands of dollars of profit every year. And I look back at it now and I can tell you, that's the fight, God's got your back. <clears throat> God's got your back, amen? Maybe, maybe you've got something going on all around you right now. I'm here to let you know God's got your back. Stuff's happening behind you. God's got your back. You can ask for the protection of the Lord. Amen. The next one is this. And then it says, and oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. That I may not has Jabez got anger issues? He's just got just stop me from hitting them, Lord. I just want to bash them. You've got to help me. Stop me. Stop it. No, no. It makes more, under, makes more sense when you realise that his name Jabez means pain. Pain's his name. She called me Jabez because she bored me in pain. That's what it says. His name is pain. Could you imagine that your whole life? Pain. Pain. You're a pain. You're a 
pine. Other kids at school, you're a pine. Your your mum called you pain. You cause pain. Pain, pain, pain. Could you imagine mum comes to kids' church, pick up the kids? I'm here to pick up my kids. Faith, hope, grace, and pain. Pain, can you come out? Your mum's here, pain. Your name's pain, pain. You're a pain. That's all, all his whole life, pain, pain, pain. That's all you're ever going to be. That's all who you are. You're a pain, you're a pain. His whole life declared over him, pain, pain. wasn't his fault. He hadn't done anything. Pain, pain, that's all you ever are. That's all you're ever going to be. You're a pain. Until one day, he's had enough. And he interrupts the genealogies. He's not even waiting for his name to be called out. He's not from the right family. His name was never going to be called out, but he didn't wait. And he goes, bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm. And now the big one. And I don't care what anyone says. I'm not going to cause pain. And God granted what he requested. The fifth thing you can believe for, breakthrough. That thing that's held you back your whole life. That issue that you've always had to deal with. That thing you're suffering from that someone else did to you. One of my favorite scriptures is that he will deliver you from, deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Fowl's a bird designed to fly. It's been snared, set by an enemy, not the bird's fault. But now it can't do what it's supposed to. It can't do what it's destined to do. It's caught and it's stuck. God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He will deliver you from the things that have happened to you. He will deliver you from the things that other people have done to you and you will be free to soar into what God has for you. Back in 2011, first time I'd come and preach here, was just after we'd been flooded in the Brisbane floods. 2011. So along with you know, now, praise God, you know, we didn't suffer like some and that sort of thing. But the reality is when your house gets flooded, it's value. It's no good. And, uh, and we were stuck. And I thought financially this could potentially ruin me. Thank God I wasn't bankrupt. But now I've got a house that's been flooded, nobody wants. I bought it at the top of the market. And overnight it lost a quarter of a million dollars in value. And I thought, I'm completely stuck. At the same time, there was a, 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 a like a, a, a class action uh, that people were signing up for. And I remember thinking, oh, I don't know if I'll be eligible, but I talked to a friend. They said, we'll just sign up, see what happens. I signed up, didn't think anything of it. And I remember after about eight years, sorry, seven years of being in that house, the Lord said to me, he's going to deliver me from the snare of the fowler. And at the 10-year mark, I just the 10 years just kept coming to my mind. 10 years, 10 years. Each year I'd go to the real estate agent. How much can I get for my house? Don't even bother, mate. Don't even think about it. You won't even be able to pay off your loan. Don't. Don't even think about it. Each year I'd go back, each year. 
You see property elsewhere, skyrocket, skyrocket, and I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Help me. Then I remember at the time I was like, each year go back. And we met, we moved to the Gold Coast. I'm sitting there, prices are going like this. I still got, how am I ever going to even live in the place I'm called to pastor? And I remember at the time going back and, no, you can't, don't sell it, mate, don't sell it. 2019, I went to, don't sell it, you're not going to get anything for it. 2020, the end of 2020, I felt, I'm just going to, I spoke to the agent. He said, yeah, mate, now's the time, sell it. So up until that time, for basically 20 years, we were hand to mouth financially. 20 years, that's just how it was all the time. And for the 10 years, it was because we were stuck, because of this flooded house. We put on the market. First day, we got three contract offers. And we got for it exactly what we paid for it 11 years before, which actually was pretty good. <laughs> and that sort of thing. It was enough for us to get a deposit, just a deposit, for a place on the Gold Coast. But at least we were out of it. We signed the contract, it went unconditional, 10 years to the day of the Brisbane floods. From the day it sold, our finances were free. From the day it sold for the first time, didn't have to think about if I want to buy this or buy that, for the first time. Then over the next 12 months, next 12 months, the apartment I bought increased in value by $400,000. Then this year, in the middle of 21 days of breakthrough, I got contacted by the lawyers. Actually, you are eligible for a payout. (laughs) And so all this stuff where I was stuck for 10 years, held back, held back, wasn't my fault. You're a flood victim. That's all you'll ever be. You're going to struggle the rest of your life. You're not going to be able to catch up. No, 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 no. Boom. And now... You hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying that to Scott or anything. I'm saying it to let you know that just because you can be stuck for a decade, you can bust through. And just like Jabez says, how they've labelled me, what others have said about me, I'm not going to cause pain. And God granted what he requested. What are you suffering from? that someone else did? What have you been labelled as that someone else said that you're suffering from right now? You can believe for that to be broken off and taken away. Amen? I'm not. So what can you pray for? What can you believe for? You can believe for blessing. You can believe for increase. You can believe for favour. You can believe for protection. And you can believe for breakthrough. And is it okay to ask for that? I guess it is. Because God granted what he requested. Amen. And so what I want to do right now is this. In, in a few moments, I want to pray for people. But before we do, I want us to pray. Because it doesn't say Jabez got prayed for about this. In fact, Jabez didn't even wait for an opportunity to get prayed for. He just busted on in. And he prayed and God granted his request. I feel from mo- almost everyone here that there's one of these points that lit up for you. The one of the, you're like, you know what? Yes. What? I, I can believe for that. Why don't we spend a couple of moments praying? Come on, 
What is it you're believing for? Increase. You know, what is it that others have said? Oh, you'll never get a house in Gladstone. You'll never, or you're boarded at the peak and now you'll never, you're stuck. What is it that someone has said? That you need bullet breakthrough from, amen? So just for a moment, with every eye open and every head up, I'm going to invite you to stand on your feet and let's just for a couple minutes pray. Let's just pray. You can pray. You can just pray the prayer of Jabez. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer and then I'm going to let you pray, okay? Pray this afternoon. O Lord, Lord, that you would bless me indeed indeed. and enlarge my territory, territory. that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Father, I pray for every person in this place and I pray for this church, Port City, and I declare over every single one of them, Lord God, blessing, increase, favour, protection, and breakthrough. I thank you for that, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for that. For some, Lord, you're about to deliver them from the snare of the fowler. You're about to deliver them from the thing that happened to them. I thank you and I believe you for that, Lord, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray for every single person. I thank you for that. Let's just spend a moment praying. Why don't you ask, what is it you're believing for? What is it that you're needing? Father, I thank you for those that are needing property, Lord God. I thank you for those, Lord God, that are needing deliverance. I thank you for those, Lord, that are needing provision. I thank you for the provision. I thank you for those that need healing. I thank you for that. I thank you for those that need favour, Lord God, that, that your hand would be with them, Lord God. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for breakthrough, Lord, that those have been hemmed in and stuck, Lord God. I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for a move, Lord God. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Blessing, favour and increase and protection, Lord. For those that are having a spiritual attack on every side right now, I thank you, Lord, for protection for that from that, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I declare it over this church, Lord God. I declare it over this church. Blessing, Lord God. Increase, Lord God. Favour, Lord God. Protection, Lord God. Breakthrough, Lord God. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. There's nothing you can't do, Lord God. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you're even opening the eyes of some to the slipstream of favour that you have for them, Lord God. That avenue of advantage that you have for them, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord God. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Father, I declare a season of favor, Lord, over this house. I thank you, Lord God, for a season of favor. Lord, I thank you for winds of momentum blowing in the direction of this house, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for some things that were seen away off in the spirit, Lord. That for some things that, there was, that you had shown them for many years ago that would have come to this house, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you were drawing them into it, Lord, now, right now, in Jesus' name. I thank you for favor upon this house, Lord God. Increase upon this house, Lord God. I thank you for being faithful in the measure you've given. And I thank you that you've got more. I thank you and I praise you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, if you'd like prayer, I'm happy to pray for you. So if you'd like prayer, just come out the front, and I'm going to pray for you. And Pastor James will pray in the background, but I'll pray for you, if you and, uh, and we'll continue to worship God as well. So, But if you want prayer, just come on out, and I'll pray for you.